to Being 11. My name's Amanda Marsh and I'm inviting you to take a journey with everyday people as they recall their pre-teen years, sharing the good, the bad and the cringeworthy. Today I'm talking to Rusha, who's from Bavaria but lives in Australia now. Welcome to the podcast, Rusha. Thank you, Amanda. Can you tell us, one, where in Bavaria you were and what year you turned 11? Oh, now I'm, I'm sharing my age. Yeah, no, it was 80, 1981 when I turned 11. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a little, at that time it was still a village, now it's been a little bit bigger, um, roughly 45 kilometers south of Munich on uh, Lake um, Starnberg, very close to the Alps. That sounds really beautiful. It is really beautiful. It's a bit like a fairy tale country, you know, with the green, the lush green, and then the beautiful crystal clear blue water yeah. mountains in the background, the Alps. Yeah, it's very nice. I remember walking and, and getting milk fresh from the cows, you know, and it mm-hmm. wasn't a far, it was maybe a 10 minute walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we lived a little bit on a hill and and so when I was walking down the hill towards the school, there was this beautiful old chestnut trees. Mm-hmm. So I always remember as a child walking down the hill in the summer uh, under these lovely big old trees. Yeah. And in the winter sometimes there was, you know, so much snow that I could take my sledge and just go down the hill to, go <laughs> to school. I grew up with having my grandparents... Uh, in the same house, which was really cool. that, yeah, that's yeah, it was nice. a, it's a very old house. My brother's still living in it, so it mm. was built in 1914. Big old house, yeah. And so, yeah, it kind of cycles now for the generations, and I'm pretty sure my nieces will yeah. keep it. And I hope they do. You had a brother, mm-hmm. your mum, mm-hmm. her partner, not not your dad, not my dad. So yeah, they're separated. Later. Yeah, my dad came later. Okay, and then your grandparents. Mm-hmm. Who else? Anyone else? Well, the cat and the <laughs> budgies and the turtle. <laughs> That's about it. Tell me, what were the names of your pets? Oh, the cat was my Mikash. That was my cat, so I picked it. And the budgies were called Pookie and Pookieline. And the turtle, I can't remember. It was my brother's turtle, so I don't know. Tell me some of the shenanigans you got up to with, with these little animals. Or perhaps with your brother, whichever you prefer. Well, my brother was seven years older, so oh, okay. it was lovely having an older brother. Um, and I think, you know, just to sometimes just go for a ride or whatever. And also, of course, to annoy him. Like, <laughs> you know, when he's sat with his friends or the girlfriends and the little sister didn't want to leave the room. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I was one of those uh, little sisters who... And at 11, you would have been doing that a lot, I imagine. Yeah. He would have been 18. Closely, yeah, yeah. And I was always quite intrigued about all the things he was getting up to. (laughs) Can you remember any particular moments? You know, it was was nothing I can say on the radio, but I, I always remember that one scene where the girlfriend said, can you send your sister up because I finally want to kiss you. And then I had to go. And I went, oh, I'm going now. 
Were you an introvert or an extrovert at the time? Um, an introvert or extrovert? No, I think I always, uh, I could easily be on my own. So I was reading a lot and doing that. But I also like to be around people, I guess. A bit of both? A bit of both. And what were you reading? Oh, God, everything. Oh, yeah, I liked Honey and Nanny. Astrid Lincoln, the, the, the lady who wrote Pippi, Long Stocking. Ah, yeah, okay. Langstrom. So she had several other books. Yeah, usually a little bit of adventure stories and friendship <laughs> and, you know. Perfect stuff for an 11-year-old girl. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Yeah. yeah, all about horses, of course, because ah. I was riding at times. So. And where would you ride to? Well, you had to take classes. So my mum drove me to the stables and then oh, had a okay. riding lessons. And so you didn't have a horse of your own to just wander with? Well, I had to wait until I was 15 mm-hmm. until I got a horse of my own. Okay. And then, then I was just, yeah, wandering around and <laughs> <laughs> riding around it. Yeah. Like, I sometimes go like, I was riding my bike going swimming. I think as soon as I knew how to swim, it was like, well, all right, whatever. I'm assuming this was in the lake? Yes. Yeah. There were several. There were smaller ones up up from us, so yeah. we had to go up the hill, tiny ones, but they got warmer first, and then the other one in the summer, because it took a while for it, because it's quite deep yeah. and big to warm up. Yeah. But usually, yeah, when it was 17, 18 degrees, you went like, oh, no, no, we can do it. <laughs> Did they freeze over in winter? Some winters. I think the winter when I was 11, because that, I remember, was one of the longest and coldest. Um, that was one of the winters where it was completely frozen. I think I've only seen it three times in mm. my life, and it always was just magical. Yeah. It's such a big, you know, and you yeah. can walk from one, one side to the other. And I'm assuming you skated. Yes, Cause of course. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all the... Because there was always, every winter had ice, so yeah, yeah you get ice skates, skis, and so a lot of winter activities. Yeah. I still love, I have to say, it's so yeah. nice being out in the cold doing things <laughs> and having the sledge. I don't know how many hours I spent running up that hill and sitting, and then, and then another little hill and then just sliding down. It was a favorite winter activity 1981 was the height of the cold war yeah and you're in the west yes privileged Mm. yeah was i mean i've driven through bavaria and i distinctly remember going through one random road and just seeing this like checkpoint abandoned and just in the my mind I, i i just went interesting knowing that I'm somewhere near the east and that was obviously one of the border points Um, and it's just there it's just the most innocuous looking thing completely abandoned but it brings that history home what was it like growing up in that time felt weird that people speak the same language but you can't really get to them they can't Mm. get out I think that was more like even as a child I always had a sense of social justice or whatever and I couldn't get my head around that you know, we we go to Italy or to France or you know skiing in Austria and we could go anywhere or, or fly to America and mm. other people 
can't even leave the country. So that I, I remember always finding that very strange. Those, you know, stories and, and knowing that, oh, we can do so much more. I have more options than people living there. Than your kinsfolk, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I can imagine at the time, I mean, I was a couple of years behind you in age, but... I, I always, and I think I mentioned this when I was talking with Peter because he talked about the Velvet Revolution, that we had in the West this sense of, I don't want to use the word superiority, but, I, you know, my perception of people on the eastern side was that they were really solid, scary-looking women because they were hammer throwers. That's the only time we ever saw them was tennis and hammer throwing at the Olympics. Was, that was it. That was all we had. And talk of, you know, Stalin and all of this really bad stuff. It, the, the curtain was real. Like we had no clue what was going on behind that wall. But I was in Australia mm. um, and I was learning German at school and our teacher was from Berlin. So, we, you know, we got a slight perception and I came from a family that had a keen interest in history. So I probably had more perception than others, but it's it's interesting to Yeah, I don't know. I didn't it didn't feel like that yeah. obscure or like but just different. Or sometimes when you you know, when someone when you met someone the language is different. They have a different dialect yeah. clothes. So but but yeah. You were closer to them. It's closer. Yeah. So it doesn't feel Yeah. Well, you hear then, but then you also have the stories if someone escapes, you know, if they had the, yeah. with the balloons or the checkpoint chai and all that. Yeah. Those were always, you know. A bit exciting, a bit like yeah. your books. Yeah, yeah. like the books. And yeah. I think that's more how, yeah. how you knew, like, that they tried to, you know, build a, a big balloon to fly over the border or yeah. well, washed in a car and those things. Yeah, so you kind of knew that you were on the lucky side yeah. because no one was escaping yeah. the other way. Yeah, I don't have to do that and no uh, one wants to go there. And, uh, you know, yeah. that that sense of, oh, I'd rather go to Italy and have ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, okay, What? let's talk about ice cream in Italy. Tell, tell me more about your holidays at, at the age of 11 and what was your favourite thing to do? And, you know, Italy's only really not so far away but a totally different world. I think that's that's the nice bit being in Germany with all the countries that you get really the sense of something so different to where you're from. And the, the sound is different, the, the language the food, the smells, even the architecture. I guess at 11, um, I was cute. I, I always was curious, I think. So I always liked when, I always liked when something was new or different. But my favorite probably would have been skiing. I love going on a skiing holiday. Uh-huh. I just give, give me the snow on the mountains and I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are in Perth. Yeah, and here I am in Perth. <laughs> Ah, well, beach is nice too, Yeah, I have to say. Can you share with people who have no concept of a Bavarian Christmas, what's the the routine like? I think it's very important to stress we have the Christmas child arriving. We Mm -hmm. don't have Santa Claus. That's a different story. So we have the Christmas child who lays in the crib and and that's, that's the big 
celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of things are tailored towards that. We have Advent, so the yeah. every Sunday in Advent we mm-hmm. light one more candle. And then traditionally the tree will not be put up before the 24th. So it gets put up on that day and then decorated. Oh. Yeah. So, and then it's up until the... Uh, holy free kings and then the 12th night like january 6th do you bring yeah. it down then yeah but it also because our trees that you know because it's a real tree yeah if you put it up so early it would lose it yeah the leaves pop out leaves pop yeah out. so and then you put the proper candles on it and the smell yeah of fresh tree with the bee wax candles is just lovely mm. um yeah, and so we celebrate on the 24th in the eve. Yep. Have the presents then. And I guess every family has their own traditions, what they eat. Usually the 24th was a bit more sparse with, with the food because okay. ideally you had to have a fire. You know, in the old times you would fast up to um, Christmas. But so it's usually a simple meal because there's all the Christmas gifts to un- Yeah. And it's busy enough. And But then the next today you have fun dinners that you really so our our family has traditions like we changed them a little bit but yeah they're still still the same the little bell rings and we all have to sing in the afternoon so we sing christmas songs together but mm. usually the oldest male in that case my brother goes in and lights the candles and then rings the bell and we all pretend it's a christmas child has finally arrived <laughs> so that's what the bell signifies yeah. It's quite cute. It is and cute. And it's been like that for, you know, I think my grandmother did it with my mum. Yeah. So that has stayed the same like, yeah. for the last 90 years, I suppose. That's lovely. My grandmother, unfortunately, she's not with us anymore. She used to make um, dampfnudeln, which is like a like a sweet dumpling with vanilla sauce and stuff. And, oh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> but, yeah, she had a couple of dishes that I really liked. And one of hers... Um, that's still our one of our on the first day after Christmas we still have it it takes forever it usually takes us two three hours all pulling together to prepare it what is it um it's a it's a way to cook meat it's very thin meat which is rolled up and, and stuffed with things so right oh it's lovely <laughs> But it's a lovely family thing, you know, yeah. we're all in the kitchen together, chatting, yeah. working, and so that's that's a nice part of the yeah. Christmas ritual, just sharing and yeah. creating something together. Religiously, Christmas cookies, baking before Christmas, like, poor, every weekend, like, <laughs> and then our family takes it very serious. So all the Christmas cookies get locked up on the 24th. <laughs> to stop you pinching them. Yeah, there's none to be had. <laughs> From the Christmas Day on, we have them. But, yeah, and it's all that anticipation. And yeah. You have, like, six, seven different – everyone has their favourite. Yeah. You know, but then you have to wait. I think it's the having to wait. That's what makes it special. Makes it so special. Because yeah. Because you look forward and, you know, you only get them once per year and that makes it really nice. Yeah. <laughs> and they're made with love, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's cold, so you're all in yeah. together and, you know, that's, I think, a beautiful part of it as well and that it'll be in the flavour is that yeah. coming together because it's so dark and so cold. And it's that really bonding and, and being with others and, and that very close. Mm. I think it's quiet. There's yeah. no 
if there is snow, well, or at that time at least there was yeah. more snow than now. Yeah. It makes everything a bit quiet. That is a thing that I've found about snow is it's profoundly quiet. Mm. And there's nothing, look, it sounds silly to say, but there's no sound like it. No, it, it yeah, it absorbs so much and and gives everything a, a softness or a mm. stillness. Yeah. And you can't help but become a bit still and think about things. And Yeah. What would an 11-year-old you, what advice would she give? Mm. I think just as we spoke about, you know, the, all the stuff at that time that happened at that time or, or the the complexities or the difficulties. I think my 11-year-old would say, you know, if you wake up in the morning, it's always, there's always an adventure. You can all, you know, and we don't know what the day brings, how other things impact us, and that, just that bit sense of wonder, maybe, and just going out and seeing and exploring and smelling the flowers and, yeah. Thank you, Rusha, for joining me today and having this lovely chat about your childhood. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. Yeah. Good to think backwards. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Being 11. If you liked what you've heard today, don't forget to like, subscribe, or visit our website at sofromedia.com to see what else we do. 